I didn't giggle. Since the night of the burning, I hadn't laughed, and I knew I would never laugh again. The other children giggled behind their hands at the funny hat on the man who was visiting our orphanage. It was a firm brown felt hat that sailed on the top of his head like a boat, very different from the soft caps most men crammed down over their ears in our snowy Polish winters. I stared at the strange man as he sat with Mr. Bobro, the orphanage director, at the head of the old table where we ate our breakfast. He looked friendly and clean and soft. He reminded me a little of Papa. Papa's face had been soft before he became so thin. Maybe the strange man felt me staring at him through his skin, the way you feel the sun through your closed eyelids in the early morning, because suddenly he glanced up and smiled right at me. Quickly I looked down and pretended to be absorbed in spooning up my lumpy porridge. I knew that when the bowl was empty I would still not feel satisfied. There was never enough to fill my belly all the way to the top. Sitting right next to me, Nahama was one of the children who giggled, just like those other silly little girls. How dare she giggle? How dare she even smile? At nine years old she was just a baby, so immature compared with me. I was twelve. I hated that she acted as if our lives had just begun when the hay cart brought us here to the orphanage in Pinsk less than a year before. There she sat, chattering brightly to two girls she called her best friends. I moved my chair firmly and loudly closer to hers. She was behaving as if she was actually happy, but whenever I talked about Mama and Papa, she squirmed away. I wanted so badly to talk about Mama and Papa, and I couldn't talk to anyone else. Nahama had finished her breakfast. She was touching her own hair admiringly, and she lifted her clear eyes to me, not even noticing that I was angry. The big girl said that man will choose me. They said my curls are so pretty, he'll be sure to want me, she said, twirling the soft wisps around her fingers. Which man? Choose you for what? That man from Africa, Nahama said, pointing at the stranger. He's taking children to Africa. Then she caught sight of Malka leaving the room, jumped from her stool at the table, and ran off after her friend. Africa. I turned the word over slowly in my mouth. It was open and hot, a word that hung in the air, Africa. Not like the quick, lip-pursed word Europe. What was Nahama running on about? Some wild gossip made up by her new friends? Not a serious thought in their heads. Just play and laugh, play and laugh. I cleared both of our bowls from the table and wandered to the empty dormitory to sit on my straw mattress. Pulling my thick braid across my cheek, I chewed on the bristly end. There was a round black stove in the corner of the room, but the metal was icy cold. The grown-up said we were short of coal. I wrapped my coat tightly around my chest and tried to pull the sleeves down further, but the coat was meant for someone smaller. The skin on my fingers was cracked and red. Squeezing one hand into my pocket for warmth, I felt the stiff paper of a photograph. Papa had given it to me before he died, and I always kept it in my pocket. After the night of the burning, 
When Nachama and I left our village on the haycart to Pinsk, it was all I had with me. I didn't even need to glance at it to see it clearly. In the photo, our whole family was together, as in a dream. Papa and Mama side by side. Nachama a tiny baby in Mama's arms. Me on Papa's knee. We were all smiling. I must have drifted into sleep on my mattress. I was dreaming about Mama's latkes. Usually, Mama would cook potato pancakes on top of the stove, but at Hanukkah, she fried them in precious, expensive oil. Ah, Mama, Papa would sigh with satisfaction. Your pancakes are like angels singing. More, Mama, more, Mama, more, I would chant. And of course, Nahama copied me.